Welcome, everyone. It's good to see all of you. And uh, I want to give a shout out to our singles ministry today. Today's our, uh, although most of them are not here today, they're, they're, uh, they're coming to the evening service. But they wanted to be here this morning uh, just so that they could share with you something about their lives. But I, I appreciate our singles ministry because we've got great people in our singles ministry. Uh, it's, a, it's a great impacting ministry. Uh, and let me tell you, the singles population in our geographic area, and I believe around the world, is growing. And there's a reason for that. Uh, it's because less and less people are either getting married or leaving marriage. And so our singles ministry is really great, and I'm looking forward to seeing what God is going to do with them. So we're right in the middle of a series this week. We started last week, and next week we're going to finish it, but it's called White Flag. And today uh, we're going to look at, and this whole series is about one person in particular. And uh, it's, it's about uh, a prophet, a minor prophet. And his name, anybody? Jonah. And he's the most famous runner in the Bible. And, and the reason why this, this, uh, this story has so much popularity is because there's a, a, a huge... Next slide. Thank you. It has a huge fish tail in it. Not the tail, but a, a story about a huge fish. It's a whale of a tail. And I, I talked about this last week, that if you have a hard time swallowing this story, then I'm going to give you an out, even though I talked about it last week, that you know many of us believe that this actually happened. That, that it was a miracle that, that God did through this giant fish or whale. Uh, but if you, you know, you're having a hard time with that, hey, we're going to let you off the hook today. Uh, and we want you to treat this, this lesson series as one of your favorite movies that really didn't happen, but you believed it and you learned from it. And, and we're hoping that this, this series can be something that has meaning in your life. Because the incredible thing about... Uh, the story of, of Jonah is, it's my story. And it's, it's also your story, and it's also our story. All of us. And one of the things is we do really well is we run. Right? How many runners do we have here in the house today? Uh, the ones that are willing to admit it, okay, based on last week. We're, we're runners. And what do I mean by that? We, we, uh, we're, we're runners... And, and we run away from God for different reasons. We run away from God for, for relationships. We run away from God for financial things. We run away from God for career opportunities. And, and one of the things that, that, that people do is they stiff-arm God. And they say, well, I want this. And that's what Jonah did. Next slide. Okay. What happened now? We've had, we've had an incredible morning. You don't know this, but back there we have had an unbelievable, an unbelievable morning. And it keeps getting better. So I'm going to go back, I'm going to go back to, to our, our old school, okay? Thank you guys for your, your patience. You know, but for everybody who runs, late at night, when you're alone, you know you're running. And 
for Jonah, you know, we talked about this, the intro to the story last week, is that he basically, you know, and, and I've got a map up there and we were going to show you the map. But basically what Jonah did, he was called by God and he told him to go to, anybody know? Nineveh. And Nineveh was, you know, pretty close in comparison. It wasn't Narnia, it was Nineveh. It's an actual place in Assyria. A historical place. And if you could just forward it till we get to the map. Uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll see that. But he went as far as you could go on a trade route, a commercial trade route. For these guys, it was basically the end of the world as far as they knew it. You couldn't travel any further than that. And so just ignore what's on the screen for now until we get to the map. Just keep going and forward until we get to the map. Okay. And, you know, i got to confess today, I, I've spent many years in my life running. And there's the map. Okay? Thank you. Next slide. And the next slide after that, just keep on forwarding it. You know, and this is the point we looked at last week. You can, you can run from God, but you can't outrun God. And this is, this is what Jonah figured out, is that he was running from God, but he couldn't outrun God. And hence enters the fish. And next slide. And the next slide. And here's one of the points that I want to talk about today. God is generous in his grace, but he is thorough in his discipline. God is generous in his grace, but he is thorough in his discipline. And, you know, a big question is, when, when, did Jonah, when did Jonah change? When did he reach that point, that breaking point where he goes, okay, I'm done, I'm done running. I'm done, I'm done running, God. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Maybe, maybe it was at that point when the fishermen and the sailors were going, and a one, and a two, and a, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is it, is it on three or is it after three? Which one is it? And I bet you Jonah, at that very point, when they let him go, he's like, I'm done. I'm, I'll change. I'll change. But what happened? The fish, and he spent three days. And so let's open our Bibles. You can go to the next slide. And this is what we looked at, Jonah chapter 1. And if you want to know where Jonah is, don't start in Genesis. Okay, you've got to go to Matthew, turn left, eight books. That'll take you right to the beginning. If you start from Genesis, you'll never find it. So go to Matthew... And turn left, and eight books over, you'll, you'll find it. Jonah, it's a very small book in the Bible. If you, you blink, you'll miss it. Kind of like some of you are hometowns. Verse 17, it says here, But the Lord provided, next, next, the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Next slide. And then chapter 2. In verse 1, it says, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And last week we talked about this. I bet he did. I bet he did. Wouldn't you pray if you were inside a fish? Many people don't make it out of fishes, sharks, when they've been eaten. But the next verse we're going to look at here in verse 2 is, He said something that all human beings have been saying since the beginning of time. All languages, all generations, 
People still do it now. And let's read verse 2. He said, here's what Jonah said. In my distress, I called to the Lord. In my distress, I called to the Lord. You know, it's interesting about people. And we all do this. But when you hit a wall, maybe when you get busted... Maybe when you get found out, maybe when the truth comes out, when you hit a wall, when, when, when things catch up to you, what happens? Guess who you call out? You know, I, there's, there's very famous atheists. There's even ex-atheists in our ministry. Guess when they started crying out to God? In their distress. And from the belly of a fish, guess what Jonah did? I called out to the Lord. I called out to the Lord. Next slide. You know, and, and, and this happens to all of us. And I remember it happened to me. You know, maybe it was a pregnancy test for some of you women. Maybe it was when the, the, the credit card bill came in the mail and somebody found it who wasn't supposed to find it. Maybe from the backseat of a police car. What do people do when they hit that point? They cry out to God. And, you know, they can have an elaborate theological belief system that explains away everything, but what happens when they get in that point, that breaking point? They call out to God. Every single one of us, we reach a breaking point and we cry out to God. And what I hope today you won't have to do is you won't have to wait till something happens in order for you to reach this point. And I believe, I believe there's many of us here today who are running. You're running from God. You're stiff-arming stiff God in one area or another. You know, maybe, maybe uh, you know, you, and this is what Jonah did. He said, God, I hear what you're saying. Go to Nineveh. Go to Nineveh. And he says, no, I'm not going. And many of us, we've heard sermons. We've heard our parents say things. And guess what? We say, no, I'm not doing it. And we run. We go the opposite direction. But it happens. Our chaos, created by ourselves, brings us to a breaking point. And then what happens? We dial 911 to God. In my distress. And here's the encouraging thing. Next slide. Circumstantial brokenness overpowers our intellect and our resistance. Guess what? The walls come down. The, the rebellion comes down when you hit a wall. You throw your hands up and you realize. Next slide. And in my distress, I called to the Lord next. And he, look at this is what Jonah's saying. And he answered me from the belly of a fish. Now he wrote this after it happened. He wrote this, this prayer. He recorded this prayer for us telling us exactly what he was thinking, what he was going through, and what was happening. But it's an incredible story for all of us that when we go through a difficult time, this is what we do. Next slide. From the depths of the grave. Now, when he says this, he thought he was dead. He thought it was over. Because he was thinking that God was about paying him back. You run, you pay. Was God, as we talked about last week, is God interested in paying us back? No, He wants to bring us back. 
God is always trying to bring us back. And the chaos that we create in our own lives, in our marriage, in our family, in our workplace, whatever it is, financially, we create the chaos. And then guess what God does? In His desire to bring us back, He sends the storm. And some of us are like confused. They're like, well, yeah, I know, I've, I've done this, but why is it so crazy? Why is the storm so violent? That's the God factor, that difference. That's where God is working in your life to bring you back. Next slide. And he says it again. And you listen to my cry. Isn't that amazing about God? That you can be in the most horrific predicament. And many of us have a hard time wrapping our our, our minds and our hearts around this because we think, I don't deserve, I don't deserve for God. I've done terrible things. You don't understand. There's nobody in my situation that should get another chance. But what does God do? He answers. Next slide. God listens to the desperate cries of desperate people who are in desperate circumstances. I don't know what your situation is right now. But maybe you're at the brink. Maybe you're running. And as we saw in the intro video, you're tired. You're out of gas. My encouragement to you today is make a decision to wave a white flag. Turn yourself in. And make that distress call to God. And it's not just enough to pray. It's a decision that you make. I surrender. And that's what this series is all about. Realizing you can't run from God. Eventually, you're going to have to turn yourself in. Next slide. And then in verse 3, he says, You hurled me into the deep, into the very hearts of the seas, and the currents swirled about me, all your waves and breakers swept over me. Next slide. Now, with that last one, When he says, you did this, he realized when he was getting thrown overboard, who was behind it all? Was it the sailors who threw him overboard? Was it the sailors who created the storm? He realized, God, you're doing this. You're creating this situation. You're allowing these things to unfold, to unravel. And I want to encourage you today that you understand some of these things that you are having happen in your life are are God. That's him getting your attention. And that's what he recognized. Next slide. And here's one of the points about God. Discipline must be thorough so we'll never run again. You know, when I was little, my dad, he, had a, he used to give us a spanking with a belt. It's kind of a belt about this size right here. Thin. It was man I think I used to think that the thicker one was better, the thin one. But he, and I remember when when he had this this closet, this cabinet, and all the belts would hang down on the inside of the door. And so whenever he would open the door to the closet, the belts would 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 hit against the door. And I knew. Let me tell you, I had that sound down. I knew that sound. And when I heard that sound. I'm a changed man. And I would tell my dad, I know what's coming. I change. I repent. 
I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for breaking whatever I broke. I'm sorry for hitting my brothers. I'm sorry for whatever I did, for being disrespectful, for, for whatever I did that deserved the punishment. I said change. And I would negotiate with my dad. Because the sound was enough. The sound in my ear created pain in my hind end. I could just feel it. It was coming. So I said, there's no need for a spanking. There's no need because I got it. I'm, I'm, I'm changed. I'm different. I'm done. But you know what my dad did? He gave it to me anyway. You know why? Because my dad understood that he had to teach me a lesson. Rebellion in life. Rebellion equals pain. And see, I don't go back and wish my dad had never spanked me. In fact, I think he should have spanked me more. I think because for some reason I didn't get it when I got older. I didn't get it. Rebellion equals pain. So guess what I'd spend a little bit of time doing? Rebelling and bringing on more pain. See, God understands this principle. Even though... Jonah was a changed man when he was flying out of the boat. He still spent three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. Because God understands. And you go back in the Old Testament history. There was a time where Israel had to spend 70 years in captivity. And they would have said, no, 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 but seven, seven years or one year, one year is enough. Why 70? See, because pain reminds us, don't run. Don't run. It's going to ruin your life. It's going to ruin your future. And there were so many examples of that in the Bible where God could have pulled back, but his discipline is thorough. And sometimes God's going to allow you to go through exactly what you're going through or you've been through with a purpose. And I hope you and I learn the lesson. No more. I turn myself in. Then verse 5. The engulfing waters threaten me. The deep surround me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Next slide. Verse 6. The roots... Of the mountains, I sank down to the sank down the earth beneath, barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. Could you imagine what it must have been like with seaweed and there's dead fish there next to you? And, and this was not a good situation. And I'm sure there may have been some times where you know there wasn't enough air, where it was it was right there at the threshold. But this is it. This may be my last gasp of air, my last breath. It was hard. And what you've gone through is hard. What you're going through is hard. And the question is, are you listening? And the question is, are you, are you sending up your distress call? And are you raising your white flag? And then verse 6. I mean, the verse 7. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you 
to your holy temple. You know, isn't it interesting that everybody prays fervently when they're going through a difficult situation? But I want to I encourage you to think through, because some of you are playing a game with God. You've got it all mapped out. I'm going to turn myself in. I'm going to wave the white flag. But it's just not today. We treat it like a diet. On Monday, I'll start my change. Or, you know, when I get done with school, or when I get married and I have kids, or, or you know, when, when, when the new year comes around, then I'll make a change. What are you waiting for? Why are you waiting? Don't you understand that God knows the game that you're playing? Next slide. And then here's an interesting verse that he throws out in verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit God's love for them. You know, here's something about running. Because you're always, when you run, you're running towards someone or something. You're running to a relationship. You're running to a financial deal. You're running to pleasure. You're running to something. And you're filling something in your life that's a substitute for God. So you're trying to substitute God with other things. And that's what he means here. Worthless idols. And this happens to all of us. We reach that breaking point, And maybe it was with a friend, you know, for our high school students. You chased after popularity. You chased for after acceptance. But you reach the point and you go, what was I thinking? This is not worth it at all. These people turn on me. They're fickled. They like you one day, and then the next day, there's some drama going on, and you're done. It's over. And you've got to ask yourself, is it worth it? Or maybe some of us who've invested our whole time in our schedule and we're, we're working like crazy because we're substituting financial gain, financial security for God. And then when you get fired from that job or something happens in that job, you go, it's not worth it. And that's what he's saying here. You're forfeiting God's love for you. You know one of the most important things that people need in their lives? Is to know that their Heavenly Father loves them, believes in them, wants a relationship with them, and is going to give them a brand new start. See, that's what fills our soul. That's what fills our lives. But when you substitute that, for something else, a worthless idol, a thing, or a relationship, you're in for pain. You're in for a huge letdown. And the next slide after that. The most valuable thing we want is to know that our Heavenly Father loves us. That's our need. That's our greatest inherent need. That's why people, when they're at the end of their lives, they ask the question, what have I been doing with my life? And they're about to cross over into eternity and they don't know. They don't know the God who they have heard about from somebody else. They don't have a relationship. So they ask this huge question, does God love me? And the answer is yes, but it's a little late. The time to deal with that is here and now in our lives. 
The time to run to God, to stay with God, and to follow His Word and His plan for our lives is now. Not after we've had a train wreck in our lives. Next slide. In verse 9, he says here, But I, with the shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. The only true fulfillment you will have in this life is where? In God. Next, next verse. In verse 10, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah out into dry land. Now this is kind of nasty. Because I'm sure there were some other things that came out with Jonah. Right? But imagine... Is that really necessary to be vomited out of a situation, to be spewed out, strewn out on the beach with all that? Is it really necessary? Well, in Jonah's case, it was. But you've got to ask yourself the question. Do you want to go through all that you have been going through or are going to go through? But here's the positive thing. No matter how ugly and nasty it was, guess what? He got out. Nobody gets out of the stomach of a fish. I mean, you get out, but you get out changed. <laughs> You're different. Okay? That's nasty too, but... But he was out. He was alive. He got a do-over. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Isn't that awesome? That God gives us a second time? For some of us, it's been a third and a fourth and a fifth. And we can go on and on. How many times is enough? How many times are you going to run and resist God? And then at the end of verse 2, it says, Here's what he said. I'm going to give you a second chance. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it to... It, the message I give you. And you know, I bet at this point, Jonah was like, I'll go to Nineveh. I'll go to Narnia. I'll, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I will go to any city you want. I will do anything you want after all that. I'm, I'm done. I'm done running. I'm done avoiding. I'm done. Whatever you want, God. Next one. And so to wrap this up, and next week we're going to do this. I'm going to ask people to come up and say a prayer here up front at the end of our service. We don't normally do that. But I thought that would be really good. But you can do that this week. You can do this on your own. You can take a knee before God and raise your flag and say, I'm done running. I'm through with avoiding. And take a knee and submit and surrender to God and His will. You know the amazing thing is that there's been some white flags raised in these last few weeks. You know, just this past Friday, is she here now? Andrea? Have it. Stand up, Andrea. <laughs> past Friday. And you're how old, Andrea? 14? She's 14 years old, and she came 
to the realization, I don't need to run anymore. And she raised the white flag and she was baptized on Friday night. Awesome. And, you know, the encouraging thing is, is that there's been a lot of young people that have been getting baptized here in the last few weeks, which is very encouraging. But, you know, we've even got some people here today who have decided that they're going to raise a white flag. And so I thought it would be really cool for us to have those people get baptized here at the end of our service. But if you're at that point where you're really seriously considering raising your white flag, I want to encourage you to do the the core four Bible studies. And then come back next week for part three. And that's where we're going to wrap up this series on white flag. And it's for everybody. This last one. And then the last thing I want to say is to our men in the house. If you raise the white flag in your life, men, I'm talking to you. Do you realize the security that you're going to give the people in your life? This could be the greatest gift that you will give and offer your closest relationships. If you're married, your wife will jump for joy over the fact that you raised the white flag and said, I'm tired of running, God. For your kids, they're going to know the difference when you raise that white flag. And it will give them great assurance to know God is in control of your life. And for some of you young men, you know how much security it gives your parents to know? I mean, there is a tremendous sense of relief. My daughter was baptized last Sunday. And let me just say, let me just say this. When, when she made the decision... It must have been the most relieving thing that I have felt in the longest time. But just a sigh, the sigh of relief came over me. I'm just like, oh, thank you, God. Because see, now I know she's in God's hands. I know that she's put that relationship as a priority in her life. And so for the men in the house, I want to, I want to encourage you to stop running. Let me tell you, it is the most courageous decision to surrender to God. You think it's a crutch. People have told you it's a crutch. It's a weak decision. People who aren't strong, they need religion as a crutch. Let me tell you, it is the most challenging decision. Only real men can do it. All those posers, they're not real men. They're afraid. And they're control freaks who think they have to run their lives in order for there to be order. Now, the only real order you're going to have in your life is when God is in control. And so, ladies, I'm letting you off the hook today. But let your conscience, let your conscience speak to you. So, right now, we've got Rose and Eric who are standing at the, at the side of the baptistry. So, we're going to have that baptism right now. So, I'm going to ask you if you could stand... And let's, let's watch the baptism. Good morning, church. This is uh, Eric Benvenuto. And he has uh, come here today to wave the white flag and become a true disciple of Jesus. Amen. 
And it's been uh, just such a privilege to be able to start the Bible with Eric and uh, the brothers here with Farrell, Farrell and um, uh, Dan and Ron Roden, who's unable to be here uh, today. But it's just been such a joy to be able to study with you, Eric, and uh, see your heart change over the last uh, couple months and to come to make this decision to make Jesus Lord. Farrell's going to share a few words. Well, it's been awesome getting to know Eric. Um, about the white flag and surrendering, uh, he's an example of doing it with such a giving heart and being open to God. And knowing some of his story, we all have our own story. He's got his story. And he's had to be strong and tough. And he comes along so graceful and such a wonderful man. you got to get to know him. He has helped me want to raise up and be a more strong man, being there for him and for all of my brothers and sisters. Yeah, and just, uh, you know, it's been a great... Uh you know, just to be part of just seeing your heart change. And we're excited for you and your family and just all the things you guys have come through. And uh, I just, God's really going to bless it. It's great to be part of that. Thanks. So, Eric, we have uh, two questions to ask you. The first question is, do you believe that Jesus was the Son of God, that he died, he was buried, and was raised on the third day? Yes, I do. And, and what is your good confession? Jesus is Lord. Amen. And because of that good confession, we're now able to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All of your sins will be forgiven. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and add it to God's church. Amen.